Scott. Hi, Jen. <laughs> Scott, I know that you received some feedback around the Gesture podcast that yeah. we did. I would love for everyone to hear this story before we jump into our topic today. It, well, this is uh, Paula Aducci. I've known her for a long time, and she commented on not only how she found the hand gestures episode interesting, but she was going to do stuff. She was going to take some of the suggested activities and actually do it. And I cannot tell you how happy that makes me. Well, yeah, because that's the whole point of us sharing our tips and techniques. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We want to put them into action. It feels validating because I, I want people not only to listen and enjoy, but to do stuff because that's kind of the only way you can improve. Well, yes, and it will be exciting to see what results Paula experiences yeah, from those techniques. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, what's, what's our episode all about today? Yes, today we are going to talk about gracefully controlling Q&A. This is one of my favorite presentation topics because not a lot of presenters look forward to Q&A. What if they have a challenging person in the audience or they're asked challenging questions? And I can't wait for us to talk through this. Yeah. So well, and, and I got to warn you because um, I am going to come at it from an angle that says I don't, in most cases, just get rid of it altogether. So I don't want to confuse our listeners, but they're ready now. They're going to know. You and I are going toe-to-toe -to -toe on this. We're going to see two, offer two different perspectives. That's why we do the podcast this way. Yes, I, I, I love this, and I'm looking forward to it. So here, here's why I am highly passionate around the Q&A piece of a presentation it's because if you just gave a mediocre presentation, you can really drive it home with your Q&A. It's one of the last impressions your audience is going to have from your presentation. So it's all about gracefully controlling it and taking care of your audience at the yeah. same time. So Scott, yeah. kick us off. What are your thoughts around this? Well, I have a story to tell, and it's a story of something that I remember because it was not so memorable. <laughs> I went to a networking event. I was invited to this business law firm that specialized in international taxes. And it was a year where there was a lot of, of sort of tax reform. So we're all sitting in there in this, in this board-like room ready to listen to the host's presentation about tax changes for the year. We're all interested because it was clear that you know, there'd been changes made and we wanted to know, well, what are we going to do? Um, and then these two presenters launched into a very typical 20 minute presentation. Each kind of went back and forth one slide at a time and they shared everything they know. It was paint. <laughs> yeah. It was paint drying on the wall. I'm telling you, but we were, eagerly looking forward to the Q&A because it had been on their agenda slide and we got to the Q&A and a gentleman raised his hand and asked a question and said, so out of all this, what should we really focus on this year? Something like that. And I'm like, hello, now the presentation's actually starting because <laughs> we finally know what's relevant to the people sitting in the audience. Yes. 
And I, I bring that up because um, one thing, there's two things about the Q&A that are problematic for me. One is that it reinforces the sort of status in the room of the presenter is the expert and the listeners, the non-expert. So the listener gets the cue part, the question part, and the presenter gets the answer part. When in truth, a lot of people in that room, you know, more so than me, were already experts in a way. Not of that year's tax changes, but they were experts in business taxes. They'd paid business taxes for a long time. So to have this sort of dynamic in the room that reinforces that only the presenters could be the expert and everybody else is a step down, that's problematic to me because I think in most presentations, if you really allow for a conversation, it's a shared expertise, kind of a, a pool of knowledge and expertise that you create. So Scott, are you suggesting for a presenter to pause at certain points in their presentation and then pull in the audience for their thoughts and their questions? I, in a way, but there's something that I wanted to add to that idea. And that is, in order to really um, cultivate a conversation, you have to let go of the linearity of the presentation a little bit to have a true conversation. In other words, it's not just pausing in your script, you know, do a couple slides, pause, take a question, do a couple slides, pause, take a question. It's being willing to let the conversation go in its own direction. And that's a big leap. Yeah, right. And you can do it. I think the masters, if we look at masterful communicators, they can do that. We tend to want people to master this write and recite sort of scripted, locked in linear kind of model. And you can do that, you can get pretty good at it. But there's another level where if you can let go of the linearity and say, I know my stuff, I'm gonna let the conversation go where I want it to go as long as I remember my goal and my main message. Well, it sounds like this is also a great technique to keep your audience engaged. Yeah. And they'll feel that they are part of the presentation yes. versus just being talked at. Absolutely. That's hmm. the idea. Um, so I also have a story. A few years ago, I was at an event. There were about 60 of us in the room and we were listening to a keynoter. And he spoke for about 45 minutes. And when he got to the end of his keynote, he opened it up to Q&A. And this gal raised her hand and asked a question. And I looked at my watch because I knew this guy really liked to talk. So I looked at my watch, so curious, how long is he gonna take to answer this question? Right. Oh my gosh, Scott, do you wanna take a guess how long he took? It blew Seven my minutes. mind. Oh my God, how did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've been know? in this industry for a while. <laughs> it took him seven minutes to answer one flipping question. Yeah. So I started to observe the audience. I was so curious what's happening to the audience yeah. as he goes on and on for seven minutes. People are on their phones under their chair or under their table. They are tuning out. Their I mean, they're literally, they've ducked, under, they're ducked under the table to protect themselves. Is that what's happening? <laughs> they're hiding under the yes. table. <laughs> they're trying to run out of the room. It was unbelievable. So my biggest, my 
biggest takeaway with Q&A is we have to keep it about the audience. It's yeah. not the time to yeah. unload your brain and everything that's in here and dump it onto them. Just yeah. simply answer the question. You can answer a question in five seconds, 10 seconds. Okay, first of all, if there's a challenging person, let's just call them the jerk in your okay. audience. The entire audience knows. They, they can feel it and they know who that person is in the audience. And I feel it's really important for presenters to remain neutral in those situations because your audience is looking at you. They're looking at your body language, your facial expressions yeah. as you are dealing with that person. So the more neutral we can remain, the better. And if you have a challenging person and they keep coming at you, I would ask a question to them to help you to better understand where are they coming from? Yeah. So it's truly asking a question out of curiosity, not out of being critical or judgmental of the person. I, so much to me of this is about a spirit of service, cooperation of conversationality if that's a word as opposed to people trying to yeah thank you let's put it in um merriam webster's dictionary <laughs> and put my name in, in the footnote <laughs> oh, i lost it there i, I totally lost it i apologize <laughs> but the, the bottom line is that i think if you go up there with an attitude of um I got to look smart. And then people ask questions and they want to look smart. It often turns contentious. It's a mm. debate-like atmosphere. It's a win-at-all-cost sort of mentality. And I'm like, no. Yeah. And just don't engage. And when you don't have the answer, it's, it's not the end of the world. There is not one person who has the answer to everything. And I, and I feel we're expecting perfection from ourselves yep. during Q&A that we have to have all of the answers. It's simply saying, I don't have that information in front of me. I'll yep. get it for you. Yep. All right, let's wrap this up. We did a great let's job of covering a wonderfully rich topic. And yes. Give us your final takeaway, Scott. Well, my final takeaway was just what I said. I, 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 I don't want to beat it to death, but it's about the spirit of servitude and of, of being there um, and being conversational. Yes. What about you? Yes. Well, and my takeaway, my main takeaway, it aligns with that of keeping it short and clear, yeah. short and clear, and then move on to the next question. All right. Well, next episode, we are going to be turning to a wholly different topic, and that is video critiquing yourself. So something yeah. we know is important, but it is wrought with all sorts of anxiety and strange stuff. And, and I think we can help people get their head around this video critiquing thing. And video critiquing ourselves, Scott. Yeah. We're part of that. <laughs> scary all right great okay. job everybody see we'll you see you later time.